Yeah. Come on, if you can't, if you can't preach after, uh, oh, there we go. If you can't preach after Kenny Wheaton in the pick, I don't know what's wrong with you, right? Come on, Brett, that gets you fired up, right? A little bit, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, how you doing today? Anybody notice that God decided to love our city with a little bit of sunshine? Yeah. Oh, man. Thank you, Jesus. We went, to, uh, vaca- went on vacation last week, went to Palm Springs and thought we we're going to get baked in the sun. And it was like 60, 70 degrees. We brought the weather from here down there and then came back and it was 45 uh, and rainy. And I'm just sick and tired of canoeing to church. You know what I mean? <laughs> just through all the water. And uh, I'm from Southern Oregon in Medford area. And it's 18 inches of rain down there a year. We get a little bit more here, don't we? I think 50-something, uh, and I get sick of it. And so it's a blessing to be in the, uh, the sunshine. You guys having a good day today? Yeah. Sunday's a great day. It's my favorite day of the week. And it made it a little bit better today because Joe, the manager of the theater here, who's an awesome guy, gave all of our volunteers that served. Sorry, second service volunteers. First service volunteers got Cinnabon, right? So I'm, I'm actually chemically enabled today uh, with that Cinnabon. It was awesome. I want to ask you a question today. Have you ever really catastrophically, magnificently failed? Anybody? How many of you are like, I live there. That's, that's my life. You know, I, I tell my wife, babe, you married me, you failed, but you have to uh, you know, stick with me here, even though you, you may be messed up. But have you ever just like really dropped the ball, really messed up in life in a major way? Yeah? Uh, I want to show you guys some pictures uh, of this, of really failing. Can we, we'll cut the lights down a little bit. And how, how many of you have seen those things that say you had one job? You had one job. This store is open nine days a week. Let's go to the next one. Batman. Something could be wrong here. Let's go to the next one. What's wrong with that? Okay. <laughs> this is going to be weird on the podcast. You have to be here to get this one. Okay. Next one. Uh, that hurts my spirit. I have a powerful thirst. Thirst place. Uh, next, uh, they went to school. I think whoever won that thirst place medal, they went to school. This is a school for German children. Yeah. We, we go to school. Yeah, it's a great school. Uh, just stop. Come on, stop. Do you have to obey it if it's spelled that way? And what's funny about this one is you had a, something to go off of, right? This wasn't like, you know, a difficult word to spell. And you also have a, a guidepost. Anyways, next. <laughs> the College of Architecture and Planning. I think you can, there's actually physical irony emanating from the screen from that picture of the kind of failure. Now, lest we celebrate and just look at the failures of others, I want to show you that I actually had a fail uh, as well on our vacation. Go ahead and go to the next picture. Now, this isn't the fail. That's a nice picture, right? This is a Choya cactus. It's not pronounced Chala, even though my wife and I were like, Chala, Chala. It's actually a Choya. That's how you say it. Choya cactus. And I took this picture, and I feel like it's really beautiful. It's nice. And Bethany is a great photographer. And so sometimes I take a nice picture from time to time. Even a blind squirrel finds an acorn, right? And then she'll take credit for it. And so I get frustrated. And I took this great picture on her honeymoon of Stonehenge. And she insists that's hers. And I'm like, no, I took that picture. But she insists that it's hers. She's probably right. I've been married for 10 years. So I know how to admit when my wife is right. It's every time, guys. That's how you 
stay married for 10 years. But I actually took this picture, and it's pretty good, right? Go to the next one. And I thought, man, this is a good picture, too. It's kind of hipster. We got an angle. We got the sky and the, the cactus. And I was showing Bethany. I'm like on my phone, like, babe, see, I can take pictures. Boom, boom, boom. And then I went to this next picture. <laughs> that is my thumb. Uh, uh, firmly affixed to the bottom of the, of the lens there. And so, yes, I'm a failure. Go ahead and turn the lights back on. And I've given up my photography career and decided to stick with pastoring. And hopefully I won't put the thumb over the lens today. But how many of you have ever failed uh, like this? Failed, and, and we laugh about failure, don't we? When we make mistakes and we, we fall down and we, we do something wrong. But then there's the kind of failures that aren't really that funny. There's the kind of failure that I've been in in my life where I let somebody down. I betrayed someone. I... I really just catastrophically dropped the ball in a relationship. Or maybe there was a behavior that I thought that I had beat, but all of a sudden, boom, it's back in my life, and I feel like a total failure. Anybody ever been there in that moment as a total failure? And I want to tell you a story today about a man in the Bible, a man named Peter, who, if you're familiar with the story, you know he was a disciple of Jesus. But I'll kind of give you some background on this man, Peter. Peter was one of Jesus' three closest friends and disciples uh, that he had. There was a group of 12 that he had, 12 disciples, but there were three men that Jesus really invested in, really poured his life into. And one of those guys was Peter. The other ones were James and John. But Peter had been given a three-year internship, the greatest teaching and coaching on leadership that anyone's ever had. Peter had gotten that with Jesus for the three years of his earthly ministry. Peter had seen Jesus do miracles. Peter had seen Jesus literally turn water into wine. Peter had seen Jesus heal people. Peter had seen Jesus raise someone from the dead. Peter had seen Jesus do all these amazing things. And Jesus had poured himself into Peter. And if anybody was positioned for success, if anyone was positioned to take the next step and really do something great for God, it was Peter. And in Luke chapter 22, we see, though, that Peter had a moment of catastrophic failure. Peter had a moment where Everything that he'd been taught and coached up to do, it all came crashing down in this tremendous failure. In Luke chapter 22, we pick up the story in verse 33, but I'll give you some backdrop here. This is the Last Supper. This is the night where Jesus is meeting with his disciples. It's depicted in that famous Leonardo da Vinci, not Leonardo DiCaprio for all the Leonardo da Vinci painting. Um, DiCaprio is an artist too, just not the same quality of da Vinci. Okay, moving on. So, I thought that was good humor, but we'll just move on. The Last Supper is Jesus meeting with his disciples uh, before he's going to be betrayed and, and go to the cross the next morning. And so he's speaking with his disciples, and they're in this kind of intimate moment. Jesus is really pouring into his, his guys here, pouring into his, his disciples. And he tells them, I'm going to be turned over to the authorities. I'm going to be crucified. And Peter, as he's kind of known for, he's kind of a bold, say how he feels. Anybody here like that? Sometimes puts his foot in his mouth, right? I tell my wife, I love the taste of my foot because it's in there so much. I am really familiar with it. Peter was known this way. And Peter, he says in verse 33 to, to Jesus saying, I'm going to go to the cross. Peter says, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. I'm ready to go to prison with you, even to die with you. How many of you have those friends that are like, I'm all in. We're going to stay up all night. Yeah, I'm going to stay up all night. Totally fall asleep at nine o'clock. We're going to drive all through the night. And you're the one driving at 2 a.m. And they're asleep, you know, and they got a French fry up their nose or something like that on the road trip. You got anybody like that that you know? 
This is Peter. He's just, he's all in verbally. He tells Jesus, I'm ready to go all the way, even to die. And Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Jesus says, Peter, that's big talk. But actually, I kind of know the level that you're at. I know that you've been invested in important to for three years, but there's some failure ahead of you. Peter, you're going to drop the ball in a major way. You're going to deny me three times. Deny that you even know me before the rooster crows. This message was really imprinted upon me this morning because I actually was awakened by a rooster. And thought, what is this, 1820? What is happening here? My, my alarm is set to go off at 6. That's when I want to wake up. Shut up. Right? I want to go get that chicken and do something with it. Anyways, our neighbors decided that was something they needed to have. And so we need to have a conversation. But... Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter, you're going to catastrophically fail. And then the narrative jumps forward in Luke chapter 22, verse 34. Jesus has left the upper, uh, upper room. He's left the Last Supper. Uh, and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is the place that he, Judas betrays him. And it says in verse 54, So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. Now, to give Peter a little bit of credit, everybody else took off. So Peter's actually kind of sticking around. He's a bold guy. He loves Jesus. He's, he's one of Jesus' guys. Verse 55, The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, This man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. That's one. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. Peter messes up. He drops the ball. Jesus told him he would, and and he says, no, I, that's, I'm going to go. I'm going to die with you. I'm going to go all the way. This is strike one. And I know, you know, if you've heard this story before, you kind of know where it goes. But I imagine for Peter that those words probably were still echoing in his mind. And it says that later. But oftentimes we think, you know, I'm, I'm not, oh, I, I failed once, but I can stop myself. I'm not going to go all the way and, and fail this way. And Peter goes on, says in verse 58, after a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not, Peter retorted. What does retort mean? I don't know, but he, that's what he did. He retorted. Does that have something to do with a tortoise? I don't know. Peter retorted. He, he, he called, I'm not, I don't know him. No, man, I'm not, he says. In verse 59, about an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Some translations say that Peter uttered an oath. He cussed. He said, I don't know what the bleep you're talking about. And he vehemently denied Jesus. In verse 60, and immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. What Jesus said would happen, happened. And at that very moment, I mean, the drama is, is rich here. The Lord turned, Jesus turned. He's, he's, being, he's on trial, he's being grilled with questions, but he, he turned at that moment and he looked at Peter. Suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. You know, sometimes when you fail, it's funny. Take a picture and your thumb's in the picture. Even to make a, a, a school sign. But other failure is not funny. How many of you have tasted the kind of failure that you weep bitterly? Maybe you don't actually weep, but in your spirit, in your soul, you failed someone, you've let someone down, you betrayed somebody, 
you just really catastrophically fumbled the ball and you've fallen down. And this is the moment that Peter is in. He's seen Jesus' eyes. Jesus has literally given everything for Peter. He's in, is in the act right now of going to the cross to die for Peter. He said, Peter, you're going to let me down. You're going to deny me. Peter, no, I'm going to die for you. I'm, I can do it. I'm standing on my own two feet. And, and, he, and he has this epic fail. And I don't know about you, but I've been in these kinds of moments where I really majorly dropped it, where I really majorly messed up. And that sometimes is in my relationship with Jesus. Sometimes it's in my relationship with my wife. Sometimes it's with my kids. Sometimes it's with coworkers. It's just different moments in life. And there's this bitterness, this depth of failure. But I have some great news for you today. If you've encountered that kind of failure, maybe even right now you feel like you are a failure and you identify with failure, I want to speak something to you today. All of God's heroes start as zeros. All of God's heroes start as zeros. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean this, that until you get reduced down and the illusion of pride gets stripped away, when we can actually face up to what we really are without God, God can't use you. Until we know that outside of his strength and outside of his power and outside of his love and his grace, that we really aren't that great of people, God can't use us. And so God can change the narrative. God can change the story. In fact, God does, but it starts with us coming to this place of failure. I'm here to tell you today that if you have hit moments of failure in your life, even repeatedly, if you will turn and say, God, I admit my need for you, I admit that I am, I am a zero without you, then God can use you and God can turn that thing around. We've been in the middle of this series called The Comeback, talking about the fact that with Jesus, no matter how bad something looks, no matter how dark it gets, that Jesus can help us make a comeback to life and to freedom and a purpose. And I'm here to tell you today that you are, don't, don't need to be identified with failure anymore. That if you will let your failure lead you to Jesus, he can do something powerful with even the moments that seem the worst, even the moments that seem the darkest, even when it's your fault. That God can use those moments of failure and turn them into moments of success. All of God's heroes start as zeros. Well, how does that work? Well, here's something that's true, and it's a great thought that failure does something powerful. It teaches us humility. Failure teaches us to be humble, doesn't it? And humility is an incredibly powerful force. Humility does something amazing. It opens doors that pride slams shut. I remember when I was a kid, many years ago, my parents had us in music lessons, and my dad, in his very loving way, would tell us, when you go to music lessons, shut up. Right? He wasn't being mean. That's just how he talks. Well, here's what he would say to us. He'd say, you already know what you know. Don't tell your teacher what you know. Let them teach you what they know. In other words, shut your mouth and listen. Learn. Humility opens the door for people to pour into you. You know, it, it, as a pastor, I do some counseling from time to time, and it's interesting where sometimes someone asks me a question, and then they, they just talk. And I want to ask them, you know, I want to tell them, hey, you already know what you know, but you don't know what I know. So if you ask me a question, let me answer it, right? And I've done it before too. Anybody else in the same boat? You know, humility though, humility says, look, I, I'm going to shut my mouth and I'm going to listen. And humility opens the door for people that are excellent to pour into you, to speak into you, to get the answers that you need to win. Humility is powerful. It says in James chapter four, verse six, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace 
to the humble. God resists the proud. It's like a magnetic polarity thing. You know, when, when we are in pride, what that does is it says, I don't need you, God. Pride was the sin that led Satan to fall. Pride is the root thing that keeps us from admitting our need for God. Pride keeps God away. God resists the proud. It's like a magnetic opposite that God can't connect. When you are in pride, God's power cannot get to you. When you have humility, you are given God's grace. Humility is like an attractant to God. It, it draws God into your circumstances, into your situations, but it requires you to be stripped of this illusion that you are a success apart from God. When we begin to see failure as a gift rather than a curse, it changes everything for us. And I'll, I'll talk about this in a little bit more, more in depth. But failure teaches us to be humble. For Peter, in that moment when he looks in the eyes of Jesus and he realizes, I have royally screwed it up. I've made a mess of this relationship. I've made a mess of my calling. I've made a mess of everything that Jesus has done in me for three years. Jesus gave him a whole new reason to live. Jesus took him from being a fisher of fish to a fisher of men. Jesus had poured into him and Peter thought in this moment, I've lost everything because of my failure. But in that moment, Peter truly acquired something that would revolutionize what God could do with his life. Because in that moment, Peter was stripped of the illusion of pride that he stood on his own two feet and he knew he was nothing and therefore God could do everything with his life. All of God's heroes start as zeros. Failure teaches us to be humble. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Paul is asking God in prayer to take away this thorn in his flesh. It could have been a physical sickness or we don't know exactly what it, what it was, but something that was hurting him, something that was making his life difficult, but he says, this is what God told me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. This is the Lord speaking to Paul, for my power is made perfect in weakness. God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. I'm here to tell you today, if you can admit you're a failure, you are well on your way to success with God. If you can come to that place where you say, I'm a loser, I'm a zero, I messed everything up. Any, where are my losers at? Where are my failures at? Come on, wave at me, somebody. I messed it up. What happens in that moment? Then all the success that God comes and brings in your life, God gets the glory. People say, man, I know that guy's a loser. That Jake guy, how can he do what he can do? I can't, I can't. The only good things in my life have come when I've realized that I'm not that great, right? I love it in, 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 the, in the New Testament, Jesus' disciples were called idiotes. And if that sounds like an English word, it's because it is. It's the word idiot. They were uneducated. They were stupid, right? They were, they were not educated guys. What happened? God came in and he said, I can use you in your weakness because you have some humility and you're available and you're not too big for your britches. You're not too high up on the hog. You, you, you admit that you need me. And so I can use that. And when people see what comes out of your life, they don't say, man, he was already awesome. So that's, no, that's a no brainer. They say only God could do something with that life. I'm here to tell you today that if you are a failure, celebrate. Because God can do something with your life. And I'm not saying that you want to live in perpetual failure or go fail so that God can use you. No, I'm saying that you are going to fail no matter what. 
You might think you're pretty awesome. You're going to fail. Well, I'm great. I have a great relationship with God. You'll screw it up. <laughs> Just speaking from personal experience. No, I, I've, I've learned the principles of living wisely, and I'll never mess up. You'll mess up. You're human. As long as you're sucking oxygen and living in this human body, you're going to mess up. You're going to fail. So you will get to learn this lesson at some point. And when you can embrace your weakness and allow God to turn it into strength, let his power come in and be perfected in that weakness. Did you know God is looking for failures so that he can come in and help you become a success so that he gets glory? God is looking for opportunities where your pride comes down so he can get through to you. So he can get through to you and use you. He can get through to you and heal you. Get through to you and help you change. Come on, somebody. When you're all up in pride and you're, oh, I'm perfect. God can't get through to you and change you. When you want to grow, you got to admit, I need him. I need God. Failure teaches us humility. God's power is perfect in our weakness. This morning, I want to give you three principles. Teach you how to win when you lose. Because you are going to lose, Right? You are going to lose. You are going to fail. You are going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up a relationship. You're going to mess up at work. You're going to mess up spiritually in your relationship with God. You are going to sin, and you're going to sin again, and you're going to sin again and again. You're going to fail. You're like, man, I feel so encouraged today. Well, go get yourself some popcorn, you know, after church. I'm not buying it for you, but you can buy it, you know. Somebody got mad at me. They said, your church sells popcorn. I said, we don't sell the popcorn. The movie theater sells the popcorn. It's expensive. We'd be, our church would have a lot more money if we were selling popcorn for that much money. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. But how do you win when you lose? You see, the amazing thing is God can use our failure to do something powerful. So how does that work? Number one, you have to learn to fail forward. To fail forward. What does this mean? It means when you mess up, when you fail that you learn from your mistakes, you admit your mistake, you learn from your mistake, you change, and you grow. If you don't like who you are, change. If you don't like that you fail in a particular way over and over, then stop. Well, it's not that simple. Actually, it is. When you will admit, I have a problem, I fail in this area, God, can you, can you come in and help me? Asking your brothers and sisters in Christ to help you. What do you think joy groups are for? It's a place where you can get vulnerable, vulnerable enough relationally so that you can have the humility to ask somebody for help. Do you think that maybe we, we could actually use some help from time to time from our brothers and sisters in Christ? Borrow someone else's brain. I do this all the time, every day for my wife, first of all, but I borrow people's brain because sometimes my thinking is broken. The way that I think is broken. Anybody with me here? And so I borrow somebody else's brain. When I'm having a bitter, negative attitude, I borrow my brother David Finley's brain. Because this guy is like positivity on a stick. Come on, David. You want the joy of the Lord? Hello! You know? It's awesome. When I need wisdom about, you know, something, I borrow somebody else's brain. I borrow their faith. I borrow from them. I talk to them. I, I get encouraged. Sometimes it's not always direct. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? But... Admit that you have failed, but fail forward. Learn from your mistakes. Change and grow. Imagine this. Imagine that you have a thousand foot goal. You want to go a thousand feet. Did you know that even if you fail a thousand times, but you fail forward, you will get to your goal? Does that make sense? Even if you failed a thousand times, but if you will fail forward, 
instead of backwards or sideways or some other direction, if you will fail towards your goal, you will eventually get it. Now, I'm here to tell you this. The Christian life is not a race where the prize goes to whoever is the fastest. This is a pass or fail marathon, and you win when you finish. So whether you have failed your way to this point in life or succeeded your way to this point in life is irrelevant. You, you win when you finish. Come on, somebody. You win when you finish. Therefore, you can perpetually fail, 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 fail. But if you will fail forward, if you will fail toward Jesus, if you will fail towards change, if you will fail towards growth, if you will get a little bit better, if you will move that direction, you will win. This is how champions think. I was talking to Jeff Pluard. He's an endurance runner, which is freaking awesome. Uh, and he was like, this is what we talk about in endurance running is this kind of mentality that champions, you know, they get to these hard places and they fail, but they don't stop. They just keep moving forward. And I'm like, that's awesome. I don't want to do it. <laughs> you know, I watched a, a documentary about the Barkley Marathons and he was like, doesn't that make you want to run? No, not at all. <laughs> it makes me want to nap, actually. But this is how champions think. Listen to this quote by Dave Ramsey. I love this quote. He said, Success is a pile of failure that you are standing on. Success is a pile of failure that you are standing on. Every great relationship with God, everybody that you look at and say, I love their relationship with God. I want that relationship with God. I guarantee you they're standing on a bunch of mess ups. They have encountered their own weakness, their own failure, their own destructive attitudes, behaviors, and habits. And they've met Jesus and let him turn failure into forward momentum. And they're winning now only because of failure. Failing forward. Success is a pile of failure that you are standing on. Number two, you learn to fail forward. Number two, don't quit. Don't quit. This is a champion level secret. A lot of people think that failure is defeat. It's not. Failure does not equal defeat. How many of you are watching the NBA playoffs right now? Watching LeBron James, watching Steph Curry, like one guy. The rest of you men are liars. One man is watching basketball in this entire church today. Come on, people. Okay, thank you. A few hands come up. Like, Honey, is it okay if I raise my hand? Okay. I'm not watching it, actually, either. But anyways, maybe we're all bored. The Blazers aren't in it, so we're not interested. Steph Curry, anybody know him? LeBron James, some of these awesome players? Yeah. And did you know that all of these amazing basketball superstars, they miss more than they make it? They miss the shot more than they make it. When they shoot three-pointers, if you shoot 40%, 37%, that's a good ratio. Is this accurate of making three-pointers? They miss it more than they make it. What does that mean? It means that they don't see failure the same way that we do oftentimes. They see failure as an opportunity to readjust and move forward and do something different, and they don't give up. They finish, and we celebrate them as successes because they don't see failure as defeat. They see failure as another opportunity to do something better the next time. If you will not quit, if you will keep moving forward in your relationship with God, if you'll keep moving forward in your marriage, if you'll keep moving forward with your kids and you don't give up, you're going to win. You're going to win. Somebody once uh, said this, I don't remember who it was, but they said discipleship, being a disciple is simply a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. The Christian life that is successful will, will not have no failure. It will be marked with failure but it will also be marked with what happens after the failure, which is getting up and moving forward and not giving up, not quitting. Listen to this here. Walt Disney was fired from the Kansas City Star because his editor felt he, quote, 
lacked imagination, and had no good ideas. <laughs> if that doesn't tell you the power of not quitting, I don't know what will. Who has said something to you and it was a moment of failure? Maybe you really did screw up and mess up and drop the ball and blow it. But defeat is the story that you tell yourself about the failure. It's not the same thing. And champions and those that trust in Jesus, they realize that failure, even when we mess it up big time, just like Peter, he denied Jesus Christ. He personally betrayed Jesus. But he wasn't defeated. He failed, but his story was not over. He messed up, but there was something more to come because he didn't quit. He didn't quit. I'll talk more about this in a second. Number three, how to win when you lose. When I lose, I fail forward. I learn, I grow, I change, I get help, I, move, I get a little bit better. When I fail, I don't quit. I don't see failure as defeat. I see failure as an opportunity to get better. And number three, people that win, even when they lose, they let their failure lead them to Jesus. It's interesting because in wanting to be close to God, we oftentimes allow condemnation to live in our life. And what I mean by that is this, that when we fail, and we fail God, and we feel guilty for that, we go further from him, we withdraw from relationship, which actually takes us away from the only power that can change us for the better. And what we should do is when we fail is actually draw closer to God. That when we fail, we shouldn't withdraw from his presence that can heal us and restore us and make us new. We should come closer to him. You don't help Jesus when, when you try to like go to the doghouse. Think about that. It, it doesn't help him uh, in his forgiving power, in his restoring power, in his resurrecting power. It doesn't help him when you withdraw and go to the doghouse when you make a mistake. What we need to do is actually let our failure lead us to Jesus, to come close to him. And that's what Peter allowed Jesus to do and what Peter did in his life. In John chapter 21, we hear the other side of this great failure that Peter went through. Peter had this moment of weeping bitterly. I mean, imagine the pain and the agony of then you've betrayed Jesus and then he goes and gets crucified. And so for Peter, there's Jesus on the cross Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Peter realizes that he himself has forsaken Jesus as well. And this man that had given Peter everything, he's betrayed him. What an agonizing period of time. But Jesus comes back from the dead, which is awesome in its own right. But then in John 21, there's this amazing moment by a lake on the lake shore. Peter sees Jesus, jumps out of the boat that he's in swims to shore, and they're sitting around the fire, cooking some fish. Jesus says, Peter, come here. Come sit by me. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, then feed my sheep. And then Jesus says again, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, I do love you. I do love you. Feed my lambs. And Jesus asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I love you. And listen to me, you put this against the backdrop that the last moment that Peter has had is his betrayal. And he tells Jesus, I do love you. My heart is for you. And Jesus says, I will give you back your purpose. 
He restores the relationship. And he gives Peter back his purpose. Then feed my sheep. In other words, everything I put in you for those three years is still there. Yes, you messed up, but the story's not over. We're good, Peter. Peter, we're good. Jesus, isn't, he, he didn't look at Peter and say, you know, you really messed up, Peter. Peter, I was there and everybody was yelling at me and I got beat up and crucified. I had to raise from the dead to, to restore this relationship. He didn't nag him. He didn't drag him across the coals. He didn't rub his nose in it. He said, Peter, do you love me? You know, when you fail, you know what will save you? It's not your great wisdom. It's not your great training. It's the love that you have for Jesus and the love that he has for you. There's so much more to that story, even the wording that Jesus uses, and I'll talk about it sometime. I won't do it today just for time's sake, but it's a beautiful moment. And Jesus restores Peter to relationship and he hands him back his purpose and he says, get back in the game. And he slaps him on his butt and Peter goes out there and becomes a freaking apostle rock star. Peter gets, he gets his mojo back. Jesus restores him and Peter goes all across the known world at that time and wins thousands of people to Jesus, makes disciples, starts churches, absolutely is a powerful force for good. And at the end of his life, actually gives his life and is crucified for Jesus. The tradition says that Peter was actually crucified upside down. He was so legit that at the end of his life, he was like, I'm not even worthy to be crucified like Jesus was. Hang me upside down. If I'm going to go out, I don't even want to, I can't even, I want to honor Jesus this way. That failure was turned into an absolute champion for Jesus. He became a hero, but he had a moment where he was a zero. And I'm here to tell you today that God has purpose and an amazing story for every one of us, but it starts in those moments when we realize without him, I'm nothing. But today, Jesus wants to sit you down and look you in the eye and say, look, I don't see failure. I want to know, do you love me? Are you ready to get back up? Jesus wants to dust you off no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, you know, your failure does not intimidate Jesus one bit. People will say this all the time. Well, I, I, I would become a Christian, but I've done too much. I've, I've gone too far. I've hurt too many people. I've broken too many hearts. I've, I've stolen. I've, I've hurt people. I've done all these horrible things. And do you know that Jesus is not intimidated one bit by, by your failure because his victory is so great. His victory is so complete. His victory is so transcendently above Everything that we've ever done and Jesus today wants to turn our failure into success and receive glory from that. Can I get an amen today? Let failure lead you to Jesus. My prayer for you is if you're here today and you, you're a follower of Jesus and you failed like we all do, don't run away, run to. Don't run from, run towards. Let your failure lead you to Jesus. Fall into his arms fail forward, fail towards him because he's waiting there to restore you, to pick you up, get you back in the game. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. With Jesus, it's not over. He can resurrect what's dead inside of us. He can ransom us from bondage and he can redeem our life to purpose once again. Why? Because the spirit of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And 
Just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. We serve a resurrected savior and his resurrection life is available for you and for me today. And God wants to take a bunch of failures and make us champions. God wants to take failures who know we're zeros and turn us into heroes. God wants to take somebody who doesn't think they're all that in a bag of chips And when that illusion of pride comes down, God can can get inside of you and he can restore you. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. God has a life of purpose waiting for you. Come on, failures. There's more to the story today. In the name of Jesus. You know, every week, people come to church, whether on purpose or by accident, getting stuck in this movie theater, but looking for God. Maybe you don't even know the questions that are there, but there's something in your life, in your heart that you're you're wrestling with, you know there's more. You're not fulfilled. Maybe you've even had some success in business or some success in relationships and maybe even externally you're happy, but there's some discontent inside of you. And what I'm here to tell you right now is that all of us were made to have a relationship with God and our failure, our sin broke that relationship, but through Jesus it can be reconciled and it can be restored. And today is your moment to reconnect with God, to let Jesus grab hold of you and and bring you back in a relationship with God. Jesus died on the cross, and he paid for every person's sin, past, present, and future. He's not intimidated by your failure. He's not wowed by your sin. His grace is sufficient for you today. But it starts with saying, I need him. I can't do this in my own strength. I'm a zero. I'm not good enough. I, I, I perpetually fail. Even when I know that I might fail, I still fail. I can't stop myself from failure until you admit I'm a failure in my own strength. God can't get to you. But today, if you will humble yourself and hear the gospel and say, I need Jesus, I need Jesus, then he will come in with all the power of heaven, all that resurrection life, and he will transform you from the inside out, give you a brand new heart, give you a brand new name, and let you be part of his family and help you to be infused with the life of purpose that he made you to live.